Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, joined by my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, today, our video game blend of the month continues on as we go from Mario last week to one of his foremost rivals in the past, and and now these days kind of one of his pals, and that is, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog. Wait, rivals as in they're both popular games or rivals in Super Smash Bros? So here's your quick video game history lesson, Christian. You see, Mario, of course, became a enormously popular and successful character. He was created by Nintendo, only appeared in Nintendo games, of course, and it was only natural that other video game developers would try to create what were called mascot characters of their own, some competing with Mario, some... Just to, taking inspiration from the concept, of course, there's folks like Spyro the Dragon, not competing with Mario necessarily, but Spyro. he's one of PlayStation's early mascot characters. Crash Bandicoot, the same for PlayStation. I love Crash. But Sonic and Mario would often go head-to-head directly. Oh, Jack and Daxter. Jack and Daxter for the PlayStation 2 era. But Sonic and Mario would go head-to-head directly. Mario being created in the late 80s, Sonic in the early 90s, and their early games were basically direct competitors because Sega, the video game company that created Sonic, was also really creating and, and selling consoles at this time. They no longer do that, but they were, and Sonic was their, like, their mascot, not only for his games, but for their whole company, basically, and, and still largely is their, their most well-known character. Of course, Sega's uh, time in the console market ended quite a while ago, but they continue to make Sonic games, and of course, he is now not only appearing in such illustrious titles as Super Smash Bros., but also Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. So, that is what I mean when I say formerly rivals, currently pals. There's a, a quick video game history lesson for all of those inclined. I know my dad, who listens to this podcast, is probably hitting the skip 15 or 30 seconds button right now, just trying to Wait, get to the movies. But did you, did you play Sonic games growing up? Because I think I played one for the Game Boy. So, I entered into the Sonic franchise in sort of the era of video games that where I was where I was situated. So I didn't play the original games because he, I mean, he was created in 91. I was born in 95. So predated me a little bit. But by the time I was old old enough, yeah. By the time I was old enough to play Sonic games, I was playing Sonic Adventure 2 Battle on the GameCube, which is, to the best of my knowledge, still considered one of the best Sonic games because the recent Sonic games are very scattershot. A lot of them are not very good. Sonic Heroes on PlayStation 2, where my Sonic Heroes fans at. Wait, there was there was an incredible one. I do remember this. I think it was on the PS2 where he's like up against Eggman and he's like running around like massive aircraft carriers and like on an island trying to find like the big ring. Was that Sonic Heroes? That I mean that could be Sonic Heroes. That could be Sonic Adventure 2, honestly. <laughs> um a lot of the games revolve Sonic running around grabbing rings and fighting Eggman, and then some sort of eldritch god enters into the uh, enters into the end of the game to be the true okay. final boss. But there there is a difference because the original Sonic games, you literally pressed like B to start rolling, you pressed A to jump, and then if you ever stopped rolling because you hit something, you just pressed B again. 
Exactly. Yeah, the, the the beauty of Sonic is that where Mario, of course, required precision jumping and, and bouncing on enemies and all that stuff. Oh, of course, precision. Well, to be fair, I, I haven't played a lot of those early, early Mario games, but there's still some level of challenge in that you can't go too fast, you got to make sure you're landing on all the right spots, etc. But Sonic, of course, is known for his speed. Gotta go fast. That's the, the Sonic catchphrase. And you could play his games one of two ways. Obviously, you could try to kill all the enemies and, and find all the hidden secrets, or you could try to fly through the level as quickly as possible. And that is one of the distinctive factors that I want to get into as we actually talk about the movies today, because, of course, that's why we're here. Not just Scott's Video Game History Corner, but we're here to discuss the recent feature films starring the blue blur himself. Of course, 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog and last year's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So, Christian, I was going to ask if you had any history with Sonic. I'm glad to have gotten that out of the way. But I'm curious to get into this conversation because, of course, Mario and Sonic, as we're discussing, are they are linked in terms of video game history, where Mario has kind of won the war, of course, but Sonic was his main rival as a character and, it, of course, just a, a business <laughs> from a business perspective for a very long time. And yet, although they both had their forays into filmmaking, whether it was animated direct-to-video specials or TV series, there was a Sonic TV show on... I actually forget what channel it was. I never watched it <laughs> too much I, as a kid. I, I do. No, I, I do remember watching that TV show. Yeah. So um, there's the Mario okay. Super Show from way back when as well. So they all they they had their attempts at TV and movies, but they didn't make it to big screens. Mario did in the '90s, as we discussed last week, but they didn't really make it to big screens in a successful way until the 2020s, 30 and nearly 40 years after they were created. So. I'm curious to get into the two different approaches that these franchises took and see, get your thoughts on the Sonic movies, especially in comparison to the Super Mario Brothers movie, as we talked about it last week. Okay. Um, so what is your question? Because I think that your first question was, do I have history with Sonic? <laughs> and then you threw in a lot of information regarding the history that it has in TV and film. Oh, of course. And then you said, what is my perspective? So what what question am I answering right now? Well, actually, you don't really have a question to answer yet. I, I am going to ask for your... Uh, basically, I'm just curious for your perspective. I'll get it when, once we start reviewing the movies. So just a couple, a couple more quick details here in terms of background information for both of these movies. They are directed by Jeff Fowler, who I found out recently is actually an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Did not know this, but he directed a short film called Gopher Broke that was nominated for Best Animated Short Film like 15 years ago. <laughs> and, and you know that it was originally going to be a Sony picture. Uh, which, Sonic? Or... Sonic was originally going to be Sony. I'm sh I, I didn't get too deep into the weeds on the production history of these movies in particular, but I'm sure that... Go go for it, because I'm sure the production history and trying to bring Sonic to the screen is as treacherous as Mario. Uh, well, I think that the first effort started in 93, or in the early 90s, to try to bring Sonic to the screen. However, an early 90s adaptation would almost for sure be entirely animated. There's no way they would have tried to do a combo. And even in the early... 2010s. I'm pretty sure that when Sony acquired the rights, they were going to try to do an animated film similar to what Mario ended up being now. But, oh man, so Sony had the rights in 2013, but it was stuck in development hell. And I think that when they put it in development hell in what's called a... It's kind of called a turnaround. 
basically that you you indicate that um, there is an issue with the project moving forward. It does give other studios the opportunity to buy it off of your hands, in which case you no longer have that property attached to you, but you're also not trying to find someone to fix the problem anymore. Uh, so, and that was those rights were purchased by Paramount in 2017. I think the first trailer dropped in 2019, and I'm, I'm, this is why I think that's true. I want to say it was as I was finishing college, because the first trailer became a massive internet sensation of hatred. The first trailer is, I, I don't think it is too outlandish to say it's infamous. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I think it's a little bit been forgotten right now, but... It was a massive deal at the time. And of course, it's because in the trailer, naturally, they reveal the look of Sonic for the movie. <laughs> and the outcry and backlash from fans of the video games was severe because <laughs> the CGI creation for the movie that uh, they had come up with was so poorly done in a variety of, for a variety of reasons that he has gone on to be known as Ugly Sonic to the point that Disney made a movie about Chip and Dale, the, the Chipmunk characters, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, which was fairly well received. When was that twenty one or twenty two last year? I think that's last year. Yeah. So so last year, an ugly Sonic appears as his own character at this Comic Con event that Chip and Dale are making an appearance. At. So, ugly Sonic himself is now this stuff of internet lore, but. To Paramount's I, credit, they the 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 hands are weird. And, he's and got like teeth. The, Uncomfortable well, New teeth. Sonic also has teeth. I don't think it's that. Okay. It's it, it it's the I, 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 like the face is kind of smushed in. Also, the blue looks too odd. Like I think too. I, I don't know if it's too vibrant or something. There, there, you can just tell that there's something off about the. He doesn't look cute. No, no, it's it is uncomfortable. And to Paramount's credit, they actually delayed the movie to fix Sonic's design because they they announced this in May of 2019 and the movie itself was delayed from November 2019 to February 2020 when it ultimately came out. Notably, one of the last movies to release in theaters before the pandemic. I mean, obviously movies continued to come out in February, so I I should say this is one of the last true blockbusters to come out in 2020 i mean it was a hit it was it, it was the the first movie that will of course we'll discuss both of them on the show here but was made for a somewhere between 85 and 90 million dollar budget and returned almost 320 worldwide and sequel sonic 2 of course would be made for a slightly bigger budget somewhere between 90 and 110 million but ultimately would make more at the global box office 405 million so good returns there for the franchise one notably again coming right before the pandemic and then the second one coming out well as we are into life uh with covid and, and most have moved on so decent returns there despite what could have been a disaster whether it's because they released the movie with the original character design and risked worse reviews from critics arguably or even lower box office because people were so repulsed by him or if that delay went any longer it could have been delayed into march where the movie would have sunk because it was being released into a pandemic okay let's um we we need to talk about who is in this movie we do we do indeed 
maybe give like a brief synopsis of both movies. It's it's a very uncomplicated plot. It is. It is in fact a very uncomplicated plot. So the first movie follows Sonic, who in this universe is, I suppose, an alien. <laughs> As he Voiced by Ben Schwartz. Voiced by Ben Schwartz of Jean Ralphio from Parks and Recreation fame, among many other roles in modern TV comedies. And Sonic comes to Earth escaping a danger, basically. And he's hiding out, grows up on Earth all alone. And when he is discovered by the nefarious Dr. Robotnik, who is, of course, played by Jim Carrey, he goes on the run, trying to recover his magic rings that help him, that helped transport him to Earth, and he's hoping will transport him away from Earth. And going with him on this journey is Tom, the sheriff of their small town, who's played by James Marsden. The second movie picks up after their adventures from the first film. Of course, Dr. Robotnik is defeated. And of course, Sonic decides to stay with Tom and his family. And we also have two new characters joining the fray. One being Tails, Sonic's sidekick from the games. Voiced by Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Yes, and Knuckles, who is voiced by Idris Elba. And is a another character from this strange multiverse, wherever they are from. And they... Knuckles has come to Earth in search of the Master Emerald, a special gem, of course, that is said to give the power, uh, essentially unlimited power, to whoever wields it. And so Knuckles and Robotnik compete with Sonic and Tails to track down the Master Emerald and, of course, control time and space and all that jazz. Okay, a couple of things. One, did you know that they are making a miniseries for Paramount Plus based on the character of Knuckles? Yes, I did. Didn't it start shooting? Yes, I, I don't know if it started shooting, but Idris Elba has re- will re- be returning to voice Knuckles in all episodes. Good for Idris Elba. Good for Idris um, Elba. Jim Carrey retired from acting after Sonic the Hedgehog 2. They have come out and said they will not recast his role if he decides to follow through with his plans for retirement. However... Jim Carrey has said that if there is a script good enough for him to return, he will. Interesting. And the screenwriters have said, we're hoping that Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is a good enough script for Jim Carrey to unretire from acting. You know, to the Sonic movie's credit, they have the largely the same creatives behind each movie. The first was written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller, and the second was written by Casey and Miller and John Whittington. So some of the same people working on these movies behind the scenes, perhaps their creative brain trust will <laughs> bring forth a, a unique and interesting script to bring back Jim Carrey. And I'm sure Paramount is also going to walk over to his house with a check so large that once he picks himself up from the floor he would happily <laughs> happily get on set so we'll I, I see think how that sonic goes. the hedgehog 3 is in pre-production right now it is it is in fact in pre-production so we get to come into this franchise discuss these movies here on the show and then we'll get to pick up sonic 3 in 2024 when it finally releases for threequels month how's that sound christian <laughs> There are some great third entries to movies. I mean, there's all kinds of great great third entries to movies. I mean, Return of the King, um, uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, Revenge of the Sith, while we're talking Star Wars. Revenge of the Sith. Um, those are the only ones that come to mind right now. 
Mission Impossible Three is better than Mission Impossible Two, for what it's worth. Oh, that 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 that, that is true. That, <laughs> is, that is very very true. But of course, we're we're not here to discuss Sonic the Hedgehog Three yet. We're here to discuss Sonic the Hedgehog One and Two. Little package deal here. So, Christian, finally, here is your opening question. I just want to know how you feel about the approach to the movie. Notably, Sonic. One and two are live-action films featuring a CG animated Sonic and eventually Knuckles and Tails as well. These CG characters joining regular Earth with the regular people, but going on blockbuster-style adventures. And I'm curious to know how you feel about that approach and if you think Sonic should have been a fully animated adventure. I don't hate the animation. I actually think the animation's kind of good. And I think that the contrast of the color of that animation against the real life people looks not bad at all. That being said, the 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 story or I, I the objective is very simple. You know, in Sonic One, it's find the rings. In Sonic Two, it's prevent Doctor Robotnik from getting the Master Emerald. But there are a lot of side characters and B and C storylines that I do not understand and in and of themselves honestly are kind of entertaining and yet feel like they should be in a movie that is very much not a Sonic movie. I know exactly what you're talking about for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I will say. (laughs) Sonic 1, I I think, is a little bit more, maybe not streamlined, but contained, yeah. It is contained, yes. Sonic 2 stops the movie for 20 minutes to do a like spy rom-com <laughs> and i do not understand what is going on in this movie yeah we, we should say some of the other supporting supporting acting members here we have tika sumter who's playing tom's wife she is named Maddie, so I can i can relate to tom a little bit as a guy married to someone named Maddie. but she has a sister played by Natasha Rothwell, who she's been another person who's been in a lot of things. Christian, you mentioned you like her in Insecure. I she's know her from insecure. season one of The White Lotus, where less comedic role, but just a great acting part for her across from mostly Jennifer Coolidge in, in that season of TV. And so she's probably got a face you'll recognize. And she just hates Tom categorically. Like, wants nothing to do with her brother-in-law and thinks that he's no good. Which is played for comedy in the first movie. And then in the second movie, they have her getting married to Shamar Moore of of FBI, the TV show, fame. (laughs) And the movie kind of stops in its tracks to explore what happens at their wedding when Sonic gets involved. And it's... It is an unusual choice. I will say that. I'm also going to say, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey has made a choice in his portrayal of Dr. Robotnik. And the camp, honestly, I do think fits the Sonic voice and the, 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 the Sonic lore. Sure. But he, he's a little annoying at times. Christian, I got to tell you the best part about Sonic and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, almost unequivocally in my eyes, is Jim Carrey's performance as Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> that is incorrect. Because you say he made that a choice. so incorrect. He, in fact, did not make a choice. Paramount Pictures and director Jeff Fowler made a choice. And they said, who do we want to get for Dr. Robotnik? Do we want to get 
someone who can kind of come in and coast and maybe snarl a little bit and, and yell at Sonic and then be defeated? Or do we want to get someone who is going to leave their indelible mark on these films and give us far more hilarious a villain than we ever deserved? And they went the latter route and they chose Jim Carrey and all of his Jim Carreyness, which honestly, this is like if if he's truly retired and decides not to come back for Sonic the Hedgehog three, which more power to him if that's what he does. This is kind of the last, like, great Jim Carrey in Jim Carrey mode performance that we're going to get because his career really has taken a downturn. I mean, not like it's not like he's done bad stuff, but he just did he less was in stuff. Mr. Popper's Penguins. But that was in 2011. So, I mean, he made... Oh, frick, I don't remember. He made very few... I'm just looking at his, his, IM, uh, his Wikipedia page right now. So, you know, made very few movies uh, after his really you know, box office dominance in the 90s, you know, and, and some of his better, more dramatic roles, and as well in the 2000s, he starts to really see his career trail off, and he does some sequels, he does Kidding, a TV show that was well-received but got canceled, and then he did the Sonic movies, and that was kind of it for him. So I really sincerely believe that he is hilarious in these movies because if he had a boring villain, the movie's just kind of bland. And what he's doing is so specific to him and so on brand for his Jim Carreyness <laughs> that he is really the counterweight to how kind of like plain the the rest of the the movies are. He, he really pops off the screen in a good way to me. I do think though that the best part of these movies is Ben Schwartz's vocal performance as Sonic. All right, we got we got some love for Ben Schwartz, Christian. Speak on him. Okay, Ben Schwartz is very much so doing a voice and I think is perfectly conveying someone who is socially awkward because they've been isolated most of their life. And you can kind of tell that in every single thing that he says, he's longing for connection. He's doing things to try to impress other people. He's so sheltered, he's trying to do something. And that also come across in Sonic 2 when Knuckles starts off by being a villain and then Schwartz's like pleading voice and the character development of Sonic to bring him into the fold. I now all 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 three of the voice actors for the 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 animated animals. So Ben Schwartz's Sonic, Colleen O'Shaughnessy's Tails, and Idris Elba's Knuckles are doing what you said no one except for Jack Black is doing in Mario. They are all trying something, you know? And they're sticking to it. And I think that the three of them actually work very well together. I actually, I kind of disagree with that. And and, sorry, I I should say, I think they work. I think they do work well together. So I agree there. I I think these are, in general, three pretty good vocal performances. But I will say, I don't necessarily think they're trying something. I think my, my favorite part about, maybe not my favorite part, but something that I love about the second movie is that Colleen O'Shaughnessy is actually the voice actor for Tails right now. So she's appeared in a bunch of video games, the occasional animated short or whatever that they release for, for Sega purposes. And I really love the fact that they actually brought her in for that. And, and I know I complained about that a little bit last week, talking about kind of these checked out celebrity vocal performances, okay. but I think but it works here there's because Tails is not the actors- lead character. Some actors just are not vocal actors. Right. Or at least they do something with their voice that is slight and nuanced. But, okay, look. 
even Idris Elba, who sounds very much so in regular life like Knuckles sounds. <laughs> yes, he he sounds there, very Idris Elba-ish in in this movie. Like, compare that to Anya Taylor Joy's performance last week, which is not. She's not going for anything. No, and I did not dislike it, but you can tell that there's. There are iconic voices you kind of gravitate more towards. Yeah, I mean, even for for Ben Schwartz, for example, I think, you know, I think there are some moments where I kind of sat back and wondered why they picked that take to keep in the movie. You know, some of his line readings where I know that he's playing Sonic, but he feels a little bit rushed in what he's saying or doesn't necessarily sell a particular emotional beat. But in general, I do think it's a, a good performance, even if I don't think he's really tra- straying that much from his natural speaking voice. Especially because in the video games, and I, again, I've not played most of the Sonic games, let alone, you know, more than a handful since I was a kid. But Sonic is, is kind of known for having a bit of an attitude. That's his very 90s, uh, 90s era character aspect to him. He's different from Mario because Mario, he doesn't really have, he, he, you can put yourself into Mario, you read yourself into Mario. He's not really a character beyond, yeah, wah, yahoo, and saving Princess Peach. Whereas Sonic, you know, he's been speaking in full sentences for a long time. He's got that 90s cool guy era. And and I'm sure they've changed and adjusted that every now and again since then. But Schwartz just makes him a more full-fledged character. And, and it works, I think, for a family movie where you're trying to go with this this character who is trying to learn their place in the world, who is seeking connection, and who is building relationships. You know, he really embodies that pretty well. Okay, let me let me also say this because we've gotten like real deep into this 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 complex thought about the Sonic movies. These are movies that you can put on while doing the dishes. <laughs> I, I I I I I'm so sorry. We can't keep going pretending I, like that's not what these movies are. I like to think of them instead as plane movies, Christian. Like they're great to watch on a plane. That's where I watched the fir- the first one originally. I'm pretty sure I watched it on a plane. <laughs> I, I watched the first one in theaters originally. I I remember because. I came into the theater thinking maybe they'll require us to wear masks one day because of this COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, man. <laughs> nice, Jack, nice prediction. Now, no, but I, I do remember watching this in theaters and thinking that was boring. Rewatching it, I think I appreciated it more this time. However, what is James Marsden? underrated underutilized by hollywood brilliant and beautiful underused in talented this movie i would say I, so i'm glad you brought him up because my I, I talked about something i liked about the sequel something i really disliked about the sequel is that it sidelines marsden and they they set up his dynamic with Sonic in the first movie. And look, I know that it's a little bit ridiculous to like go deep on the Sonic movie, but we're just talking I mean, in, in some respects we're kind of just talking shop here, like what what makes movies yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you bring in Tails, you make Tails Sonic's sidekick, naturally. But it sucks because you have given him this sort of human sidekick in the first movie that because you're bringing in an animated character who can literally fly with his dual tail (laughs) flying system and has all these nifty gadgets that help him solve story problems, you kind of got to strand the human sidekick in this wedding, destination wedding in Hawaii. And it 
makes for a little bit of a disappointment. And I, it's like in a vacuum, I think Sonic 2 kind of works, but I missed the chemistry that Marsden had with, whether it was with Schwartz or like the CGI, uh, the CGI guy holding the green tennis ball that he had to talk to. It, it, it's also probably easier to have multiple CGI people interact with each other than try to put one against a human. It absolutely is. And I remember people talking about Avatar The Way of Water, and a lot of people were really praising the CGI on that, obviously. But I saw people pointing out on social media how impressive it is to have people who are C- playing motion capture CG characters across from people who are playing human characters and how difficult that is to match those performances up. Okay, I'm going to spoil part of Sonic 2 right now. Christian's going to spoil part of Sonic 2 if anybody's listening to this podcast and also really cares about spoilers for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So go ahead, it's Christian. It's a small spoiler. At one point, Sonic calls James Marsden dad. Yes. And I look at the screen and I go, I'm sorry, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. They they cause... really set that up at the beginning of the movie because they have a you're not my real dad conversation. <laughs> okay. Ben Schwartz is 41. James Marsden's 49. And I knew that going in. I, 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 I couldn't. I, I, just, I, I just saw Ben Schwartz telling James Marsden, dad. And I'm like, no, I'm nope. You know, Christian. I, there, there is an occasion where somebody might call James Marsden daddy, but I don't think that people would want Ben Schwartz calling him dad. So, you know, just put that in the record book. File that one away. This one goes out to the Marsden Hive. I know you're out there. Yeah, I mean, sure, he's a good-looking dude. I mean, I, I will say, speaking of – I mean, like Jim Carrey, who, in my opinion, I think he's fantastic in his movies. He, he's so funny, and his shtick, it, it's just like this – his zany energy is so different from sort of the generic blockbuster that these movies became. And I so deeply appreciate it. I think in many respects, Marsden himself is at a similar point in his career where he's not doing a lot of big Hollywood blockbusters anymore. And he did the X-Men movies. Of course he was in the notebook. He's the guy that Ryan Gosling beat out for the affections of Rachel McAdams. He was in hairspray. He was doing romantic comedies. Like he had a really big moment in the two thousands and the early 2010s. And he was in Westworld. He was, uh, he was in Westworld. There you go. So his, his Hollywood career is sort of downshifted into TV roles and, smaller movie roles even even disenchanted which is a movie that also came out last year i know you liked quite a bit more than i did but i i I like that movie but it disappointingly low amount of james marsden who was great in the first enchanted yeah he's fantastic in the first enchanted and the way that i describe it actually they send patrick dempsey on a side quest in that one but marsden himself only has a couple of scenes after being a pretty major supporting character in the first movie so Again, it's it's unfortunate to see the ways that he's been a little bit, you know, he just kind of sometimes in Hollywood you lose the juice and you just you're not as in demand, you're not as popular, but it's good to see him on screens again in the Sonic movies at the very least. And I it doesn't look like his career is really going to be popping off anytime soon according to uh to Wikipedia, he's performing a voice in Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie mm. and will be playing a part in Unfrosted the Pop-Tart Story. Which is not only 
the those next, are not words he just said. The next, no, those aren't words he just said. In a long-running series of like corporate American comedies, like you know, we have Air in theaters right now. Ben Affleck, you know, directed that one about Nike courting Michael Jordan for the shoes. But you also have Tetris hitting Apple TV about that that video game. And now we got the Pop Tart movie, which you know maybe it'll compete with the <laughs> the Flaming Hot Cheetos movie. You heard about that, Christian? <laughs> I've heard about it. Unfrosted, straight from Wikipedia, the Pop-Tart story is an upcoming American comedy film directed, co-written, and co-produced by and starring Jerry Seinfeld. That's right, folks. Jerry Seinfeld. And the cast, my goodness gracious, is like a murderer's row of funny people in comedy. Oh, frick. (laughs) This is going to be a Netflix movie, unsurprisingly. Seinfeld's been posted up at Netflix for a little while doing comedians in cars getting coffee, but... Honestly, just based on this cast, I'm interested. <laughs> Yo, Peter Dinklage is in this movie. I mean, Peter Dinklage, Melissa McCarthy, Amy Schumer, Jim Gaffigan. Christian Slater. Christian Slater? I mean, come on. John Hamm? <laughs> oh, Maria Bakalova? Max Greenfield? We got Schmidt up in here? This is... Yo, could this be good? I I, I truly believe it could be funny, Christian. We'll see if it can be good. <laughs> But I, I really, I mean, when's the last time Jerry Seinfeld wrote or directed or even acted in a movie? It's been a long time, so we'll see. Maybe we'll Wait, discuss in November it on this 2022, show. Seinfeld told the press that Netflix executives were watching the final cut of the movie for the first time with the projected release in early 2023. Early I don't think it's coming out in early 2023. It's come and gone, my friend. So we'll see whenever Unfrosted hits our Netflix, but... I like Marsden here in these movies. And Christian, expanding uh, to just the movies in general, thinking about their okay. their structures and their action, I'm Here's, curious. Let me, let me ask you this question. There's an issue with Marsden. There's okay, an issue okay. with Marsden. So you're going to talk Marsden some more. Okay. Talk to no, me. no, no. That they sideline him in Hawaii for the third movie, which we've already touched on, except that they are trying to do more with his relationship to his wife and what he is doing at this wedding in Hawaii in the second movie. And it it doesn't really fit the Sonic mold a ton until they try and shoehorn it in. I I mean you're not going to find disagreement here. I think the whole the whole Hawaii sort of subplot is just a little bit it's weirdly fit into the movie. It's like a round peg in a round hole, except it's like a couple millimeters too large for the hole. And so you're trying to like really fit it. Like you think, oh, if I kind of turn it a little bit, maybe I can get it. Because the way that they set the movie up, they kind of need to get rid of Marsden and Sumter for a little while while Sonic goes globetrotting with Tails. Naturally, the first place they go is Siberia. <laughs> And they have a dance battle with a Russian guy in a in a like velour suit. So that's that's what they're up to. Meanwhile, Marston's ruining his sister in law's wedding. My jaw dropped during that dance battle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the reason my jaw dropped during that dance battle is because after the the Russian guys start dancing, Sonic and Tails are like, "What are we gonna do?" And for some reason. <laughs> Tails, some, I forget who gets it going, but one of them gets Uptown Funk going, yep. which was yep. an outdated song last year. Like that movie, that yep. song came out when I was in college and I yep. graduated in 2018. So they couldn't have found 
a newer nope. song at all? Like, nope. Similar to how the Mario movie has a problem with the needle drops that are very much directed to the parents and not to the children in the audience, the Sonic movie nope. also has a This was not directed to parents. What dropping. parents is like... Uptown no, Funk no. is definitely directed at kids, though. That's <laughs> that's for sure. But, yeah, the, the anyway, the, the Hawaii situation with Marsden and Sumter, it, it just kind of sidelines. And, like, Tika Sumter, unfortunately, is not in too much of the first movie either. Very early on, she goes to visit her sister in San Francisco, and she doesn't show up until essentially the end of Act 2. Oh, great line in Sonic 2, though. So, so, so... Again, spoiling this movie, she is marrying this man who turns out to be a spy operative for the... What's the organization called again, Scott? You got angry at me for not knowing it earlier. Oh, I felt so great about this. Christian texted me saying something about the part with CIA agents in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, to which I could graciously correct him and say, there are no CIA agents in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. You must be thinking of the gun agents, G-U-N, which is this, I don't even remember what it stands for. It's this government agency. Oh, there it is. Guardian Units of Nations. <laughs> Sure. Which I'm assuming is something from the video games that gets introduced in Sonic 2 based on the events of the first movie. They're like, we got to be ready for next time. <laughs> so it, it turns out that the man she's going to marry is secretly a gun agent. And they are, they he's marrying her as part of this massive operation to find out more about Sonic. And then I, I mean, we direct... get to a point where every wedding guest Every yep. single wedding guest is revealed to be a, a double, not like a double, a, a secret agent from this yep. organization. And uh -huh. I'm like, Natasha Rothwell, do you not have a mother? Do you not nope. have friends from college that you could invite nope. to this shindig? Do you do you not have, I mean, what what's the deal? Where are all of your people at this destination wedding? And why is everybody here either like your sister your brother-in-law or your husband's quote-unquote friends. <laughs> I look, man. When they re are revealed to be gun agents, the director says, "Good job, everyone. Operation Catfish was a success." And Operation once Catfish. again, my jaw dropped to the floor. <laughs> Jokes that are definitely not for the kids in the audience and definitely for the parents and the people who grew up playing Sonic in the audience. Speaking of that director, he's like weirdly obsessed with Olive Garden. Like at oh, the yeah. end of the first what movie, he is gives... Olive Garden just funding this entire film? They, they surely contributed a bit to the budget because he like shows up to James Marsden and he's like hey thanks for your help with that whole Dr. Robotnik situation that you've been real cool about not telling anybody about even though it like happened in your entire town and everybody saw him here's a gift card from the government please enjoy Olive Garden and then in the second movie <laughs> it's just there talking about how he literally can't wait to get to Olive Garden from this whole operation at the wedding and I'm like my man there. you are at a resort in Hawaii why are you going to Olive Garden <laughs> Okay, look, I do love Olive Garden. Like, I'm not above that. <laughs> Maybe the, you know, as a white guy who grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, you'd think that I would love Olive Garden, but I've really only gone a couple of times in my life. Like, I've had it... Oh, it's it's great. Like, a handful of times. So, much, much love to Olive Garden. As James Martin tells me, when you're there, you're family. Now, Christian... 
I really do want to know, we've talked a lot about some of the sillier parts of these movies, a lot of the performances here, but I'm just curious for you in general. You mentioned that you found the first movie boring the first time you watched it. Is this the first time yeah. you saw the second movie? Did you catch that in theaters as well? No, this is, this is, I, I saw the first 15 minutes of the second movie and then I got bored until I put it off. Okay, cool. And this is me rewatching those first 15 minutes and completing it. Okay, nice. So I am just curious. Do these movies for you have the fun factor? Because you say it's a movie for doing the dishes and you like, but you also liked the first one a little bit more this time. And so I'm just curious if there's, if you say that because there's kind of enough that you'll kind of like tune in for the parts you want to tune in for. Or if you think that these are just bad, another, in, like another bad Hollywood blockbuster, another bad video game adaptation. No, I think that there are fun moments to this that you can tune into. Like when they are, uh, okay, when they do this special animation in Sonic 2 to talk about the war between the owls and the echidnas, and they, they do that like really kind of cool comic book animation, hand-drawn animation style, I'm like, this is really cool to watch. This is a good time right now, despite the story being being crazy. Or, or I'm trying to remember my favorite parts in the first Sonic movie. Honestly, in the first Sonic movie, when um, <laughs> when he gets uh the the when he gets what what is it taste in the butt accidentally, it, like as soon as he meets James Marsden. Oh, not not in the butt, <laughs> but yeah, Marsden has come into the garage thinking it's a raccoon, and he ends up shooting Sonic with uh, like an animal tranquilizer. His wife, of course, is a veterinarian, so that comes in handy. Mm-hmm. That there are moments that are enjoyable. There are moments that are fun. It's not a movie that has anything important to say, and it doesn't have to. You know, it's not the most beautifully animated movie that I have seen ever. But honestly, I wouldn't be mad at taking kids to see this movie. And honestly, if like this is this is not a date movie for sure. <laughs> Unless your date also happens to love Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and you know what? If you are married to someone or have a partner who loves Sonic the Hedgehog, that's a win. But but th- yeah, this this no, no, no. You're not going to find me saying that this is not worth it. Both of these movies definitely are worth watching. I I found that I enjoyed watching the first one again. And kind of like you described, it's really... It's not a great movie, unfortunately. It's not a great rewatchable blockbuster. I've now seen it twice. And that's maybe one time too many but at the same time it is a a fun enough distraction and for how bad video game movies have been (laughs) in the past i think that's a success and you get this to me at least hilarious jim carrey performance you get a fun kind of final leading turn for james marston unless he really gets back on the map after his appearance in unfrosted with jerry seinfeld and I mean, maybe. Like you maybe said, he does. Ben Schwartz, you know, he does a pretty admirable job with the, the Sonic voice. And as just sort of family-oriented blockbusters, I think you can do far, far worse. Uh, and, and there's also just a lot, of, a lot of fun scenes, a lot of fun moments. And I think, in particular, one that stands out to me from the first Sonic movie is this scene in a truck stop bar 
where they are driving to San Francisco. Marston has to pull over <laughs> for gas and, yeah. and food. And while he's not looking, Sonic runs into this like biker bar. And what unfolds after that is this sort of long scene. I don't even remember what song is playing over. Cause of course there's some, there's some classic rock song they kick in, but Sonic learns about bucket lists and he's planning on leaving earth. And so even though he's not going to die, he, he creates his little bucket list of things to do before he leaves earth. And you see him and Marsden do all the, all the fun things they can in the bar. And it's honestly just kind of a cute scene. And they, they have as a, a man talking to a CGI hedgehog, there's good enough chemistry there. A lot of kudos to Marsden and they have fun with it. And, and there's later on a kind of things, spill over into a bar fight because of course they do and they steal the high speed sequence from the x-men movies and and surely (laughs) maybe you know the flash or like whatever high speed heroes there are out there where sonic utilizes his super speed to essentially slow down time and we see him run around the bar and you know he puts he pulls some guy's hat down he wraps another guy up in toilet paper he you know moves people's punches out of the way and it's it's totally derivative, unfortunately, because we've seen that done before. But it's just, it's a fun scene. It's fun to watch it, especially if you have any connection to Sonic the Hedgehog at all. That's the kind of stuff you want to see of them using his actual super speed powers on screen when you can't just have him running across the Green Hills zone or, or wherever he is to fight Dr. Eggman. So I, I agree there, where it's not really like this mind-blowing blockbuster, but it's a it's a good diversion. It, it's definitely entertaining enough, as much as you would want from a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, it's it's good enough. It's not bad. I recommend. Are are there any other scenes in particular that stand out to you from either movie? Because we we've gotten hung up on that wedding scene quite a bit, but <laughs> there's there's also a painful moment we haven't talked about yet where Marsden is forced to ruin the wedding because he realizes he has <laughs> unintentionally swapped Natasha Rothwell's <laughs> wedding ring with a like ring of Sonics that he was given and for like emergency use. <laughs> So he has to go literally interrupt the wedding during the the sharing of rings. And it's, yep. it's painful to watch and kind of funny. Yeah. Anything else for you, Christian, in terms of notable scenes from, from either movie? Um, there. I do like the scene in, in Sonic 2. I feel like all of my scenes are from Sonic 2. I'm pretty sure I like, I think Sonic 2 is better than Sonic 1. Uh, there, there is the part where, where he gets the master emerald and then it goes back into its eight individual sections and he absorbs it and becomes gold sonic or whatever super sonic baby and then he like runs i love how when he runs around dr robotnik's robot and just cuts off the head i think that was fun (laughs) (laughs) always nice to see you know see the, the powers from from the video games get used in the movies but also a pretty fun conclusion to that movie Sonic, at one point, I'm pretty sure, like, literally uses the power of friendship, like a good anime protagonist. Oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah, Dr. Robotnik. I'm not sure if it's in, at the end of Sonic 2 or the end of Sonic 1. I watched these, not exactly back-to-back, but in the same Sunday afternoon, so things are a little mm. bit, like, bleeding into one another. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the ending of that movie, uh, of Sonic 2 in particular, I do have sort of mixed feelings about, partially because it was 
coming on the end of this sort of back-to-back watch, and I was not fully alert, awake, and aware, let's just say. I wasn't fully asleep, that's for sure, but I was fighting to pay attention. So the ending in particular, you know, some of it kind of washed over me without uh, <laughs> without me fully comprehending what was going on. But it does devolve into, you know, kind of like a it's like another big CGI conclusion and for whatever reason i kind of liked the first one the the way the first movie dealt with that a little bit better just because it's more of a chase where uh robotnik gets you know he gets a hold of one of sonic's quills and he uses it to like power his his machines and his robots and his machine his like flying machine can now f- travel as fast as sonic and so they're using the rings to go like visit these locations all around the world. Like they end up running down the great wall of China. They're running up. He's Sonic is running up the pyramids and, and Robotnik's trying to stop him. I kind of liked the, the fun globe trotting aspect of that more like contained ending as well, where it's really just the two of them. Whereas the third one kind of spills out into all these other characters. But uh, again, like both fairly solid as far as these types of movies go. I don't know. I think that there's there's something about I like Knuckles and I like Tails and there's more of them now and I want to see that. So it I, I, I think that they handled that well. Now also there are countless more Sonics to go. Like they who did they they teased Shadow Sonic? Oh, right? they didn't just tease it, my friend. Yeah, we should say at the end of the first movie they they do show tails showing up via ring travel of course and they actually steal that little scene and just plop it directly into sonic 2 essentially to have the character show up and and when he goes to meet sonic for the first time and at the end of sonic 2 they tease a new character called shadow the hedgehog who if you are not someone who played sonic adventure 2 battle like i did when i was a kid Shadow, as you could imagine, is like the the darker, villainous hedgehog in comparison to our boy Sonic. And very, very infamously, he has a gun in uh, in his own game that he gets called Shadow the Hedgehog. It was rated T instead of rated E for everyone. It was T for teen because Shadow had a gun. (laughs) So that's kind of what Shadow the Hedgehog is about. I'm curious to see how that will work in in these movies. But there are also... There's a very expansive Sonic the Hedgehog universe that they could draw from, whether it's... I'm looking forward to Amy Rose. That's exactly who, who I was going to say. We got to get some yeah. some Lady Sonic up in here, even though she's not technically a hedgehog, I guess. We've got Big the well, Cat. there's Tails or Knuckles. That's true. That's true. I mean, well, Tails is a fox. Knuckles is an echidna. I forget what Amy Rose is, but she's obsessed with Sonic. Like, she's in love with him. That could be funny. Put to live yeah. action. Maybe get, here you go. Get Jenny Slate to be Amy Rose, because Ben Schwartz, yes. he's Sonic. You know, get some, get that Parks and Recreation reunion going. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, there are, of course, many Sonic characters for them to draw on. And if there's not going to be Dr. Robotnik, I'm sure that they're going to make Shadow the Hedgehog be the villain. And so who knows? Maybe they'll pull in more characters of Sonic lore to, <laughs> to really fill out that cast. Okay. We've... Actually, no. I have a question after the whatever we're going to do next week. But actually, do do what you're going to do. Christian, I am going to do what I'm going to do. So my first question for you here. Well, my, my first question in the concluding series of questions. Number one, will you watch both, either, neither? I don't know. Will you watch the Knuckles series 
or and or Sonic the Hedgehog three when that inevitably hits theaters? Uh, I will probably watch Sonic the Hedgehog t- three. The Knuckles series, honestly, probably not. Unless someone says that it's a secret masterpiece, and you know what? Maybe it will be. Yeah, I, I don't think I will be watching the Knuckles series either. <laughs> that is, it's also going straight to Paramount Plus, which is not a streaming series that I have access to, and I, am not going to get it for the express purpose of watching the Knuckles spinoff miniseries. Okay, but what about the iCarly season three? I mean, I haven't watched season or the other iCarly reboot seasons, but I mean that may that might be compelling. See, listen here, Paramount Pictures. If you want Scott Lentz to get on Paramount Plus, you got to get that Ned's Declassified Adult Survival Guide. Get those three back in the mix, and I'm in. I'm buying Paramount Plus, getting that annual subscription. Watch it all. I started listening to the Ned's Declassified School Survival podcast. Where the three actors, Ned, Moe's, and Cookie, go through every episode. And I can't remember any of these episodes because they were all just 11 minutes long. But, you know, it's not bad. Great show. I gotta listen to that podcast, I guess. I I think I will also check out Sonic 3. I did not see either of these Sonic movies in theaters. But now that I'm caught up and I've talked for almost an hour about the two of them, I feel like I do need to see the third one when it comes out. If it gets truly terrible reviews, I probably won't waste the money, but if it's like these two movies where it gets generally positive reviews, not, you know, not any awards attention or anything like that, but just like passing grades, and it's probably going to be worth seeing. And who knows, Christian, maybe I'll get to see it with you as we kick off Three Cools Month on the podcast. My next and concluding question to you here, Christian, how do you feel about these movies directly in comparison to the Mario movie? Because for me, I think as people can tell based on the way I've talked about them, although I don't find them to be particularly ambitious or particularly incredible, I do prefer their like pleasant passing grade mediocrity to what I found to be the, the frustrating and transparently crassly capitalistic enterprise that was the Super Mario Brothers movie. So I'm curious how you compare that with these movies. I like Mario more for one simple reason it's to make me mad is that the simple reason no it's because the plot is it, it's just plot point after plot point whereas i think sonic is trying to have like random dance battles added in there or or or, or trying to have like a random bar fight and i see that as a glaring thing that they're trying to add on that doesn't actually add to the script whereas a different scene would would do the same thing whereas so the mario I, movie didn't even have a script <laughs> is that what you were gonna say the mario movie absolutely does have a script and every single scene is trying to showcase you a different aspect of a mario game the different scenes in sonic are not trying to showcase the different sonic games that have existed over the years they're telling an original story created for the medium it's being told in, that being film. And so we, we appreciate that from Jeff Fowler and the good folks at Paramount Pictures. The, that is, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2, mildly recommended by both Christian and myself. If you're doing the dishes or taking a plane ride anytime soon, or maybe just need something 
a little bit diverting and pleasantly entertaining to watch. You can get the first one on Paramount Plus, maybe? Do you, do you know if it's on Paramount Plus? I saw both on Paramount Plus. Okay, both are on Paramount Plus, and then Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is also on Amazon Prime uh, free for streaming. I, I rented the first one and, and then streamed the second one for free. So if you want to catch up with those two movies, just like we did, you can do that on those streaming services. Of course, Christian... Video game, our video game blend of the month is going to march on, and we're going to change our perspective here a little bit. We're going from movies adapted from video games and starring very famous video game characters to a movie that is inspired by video games as a concept and is telling its own original story. That movie is 1982's Tron, which is a Disney cult classic and is available to watch on Disney Plus. Are we just doing Tron or are we doing Tron and Tron Legacy? So Christian, I was actually I was going to ask you this because we could continue our trend here of what we did here in the episode where we talked about high level both movies, Sonic and Sonic 2 cuz honestly, they're fairly identical <laughs> in terms of like quality. I know some people slightly prefer the second one to the first one. I honestly might slightly prefer the first one, but neither here nor there. Tron and Tron Legacy, very, very different movies. The original came out in 1982. The sequel did not come out until 2009 or 2010, something like that. Notably, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who would go on to such movies as Top Gun Maverick. Have you heard of it? And both of them are beloved by, I think, different segments of the population. I think Tron, the original, is a little bit more directly inspired by video games. The second one is a little bit more broadly science fiction-y, not as specific, uh, specifically video game-ish. And so I wanted to just ask you, Christian, I want to know your thoughts. Should we do both? Do you want to do both? Or should we just stick with the original Tron on okay. our production meeting? If we do both... It's going to be a much longer, I think, conversation. We would actually need to split them up because they're very... I've seen both and they're very different. They are. However, I kind of want to do both. I think it'd be cool to compare and contrast them. Alrighty, folks. Then we're doing it. We're covering not just Tron, but also its sequel, Tron Legacy. So both of those movies are available to watch on Disney+. And I've seen them both before. I've seen them both once. And I've not seen both of them in a very long time i saw tron on i think on tv way back when um before the sequel even came out and then saw tron legacy in theaters but i do know that it's long enough ago that i have not logged either of them on letterboxd or even imdb where i used to rate movies before i was on letterboxd so i'm looking forward to rewatching both of these as we continue our video games blend of the month next week here on the show and of course, until next time, that is the end of this show. Yahoo! Still doing the Mario voice. If you've reached this point here, thank you. Wait, wait, wasn't there wasn't there a point in time when you were thinking about doing existence? Yeah, so <laughs> there was a point in time where I was I was pondering doing existence, but I wasn't planning on talking about Sonic and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And then when I realized what a in my opinion, lousy dumpster fire the original mario movie was i said this month is is not going to be very high-minded we are going to talk about silly fun movies 
uh, existence being a David Cronenberg body horror movie because that's what he's famous for. And it's one that I will definitely watch someday, but I'm curious to see if anybody who listens to this podcast gets around to it. Okay. (laughs) Shout out to you listeners. Y'all are great. And we do thank you for your support of this show. One of the major requests we have for you here is please do subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating or a review. Helps us reach new listeners on whichever platform you are using, be it Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or another platform podcatcher of your choice. But we sincerely appreciate the support. And again, just helps us reach new listeners and grow the show. You can also send us an email to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com where we regularly check in that inbox for listener feedback, looking for either movies to cover on the show or entire blends of the month that you want us to cover, or maybe you have a video game adaptation that you think doesn't deserve the hate that it gets and it's a secret classic and you want us to watch it because you love Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Doom, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Rampage, or maybe there's another movie where The Rock adapted a video game. Either way, would love to know your thoughts. So again, that's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Believe it or not, I do. Did you know Amazing. that they're releasing... I love it. Uh, they're re-releasing Return of the Jedi for its 40th anniversary. I did know this. And I, you were the first person that I thought of when I saw that this was announced. I was like... I'm there. I am so there. <laughs> I I feel like I need to see this because I have not seen the original Star Wars movies on a big screen before. And this would be my least favorite of the original trilogy, but still a movie that I love very much. <laughs> so might need to make Cannot that happen. Wait. Not, right. not of course, a, a video game itself, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, but it inspired its own fair share of video games, that's for sure. But of course, folks... Maybe check out these Sonic movies. Maybe if you've got some chores to do, you're traveling across state lines. Maybe you're, you're bored and don't want to be bored anymore, but you don't want to be, like, too unbored. What other lousy reasons can we think of to watch these movies? Either way, Christian, until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.